Welcome to Harrison Church. We're glad that you've joined us today. As Easter is upon us, many people will be looking for a church to attend. Consider extending an invitation to those around you, neighbors, co-workers, friends, and family. We hope that you enjoyed today's sermon by Senior Pastor Shane Page as we continue our journey through the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Well, it was uh, Ash Wednesday, Ash Wednesday service. If you've never been to an Ash Wednesday service, this is, uh, happens on Wednesday. <laughs> uh, right before the season of Lent. It's the beginning of the season of Lent. It's the day of where you come and you kind of confess your sins. And, and so it was Ash Wednesday a few years ago, and this young clergy, fresh out of seminary, was on the schedule to preach the evening service. Uh, this was a church not too far from here. And uh, she began her sermon on this evening service by saying, I have been looking forward to preaching this sermon today for a long time. And she went on and she described how uh, while she was in seminary and even after she graduated, people were coming up to her all the time saying, oh, you are so good. You are so wonderful. I mean, you are one of our best and our brightest. Our church is so lucky to have you. Thank you for accepting the call. And then she says in this sermon, but tonight... I get to confess the truth about who I am. I am not the good person everybody thinks that I am. I am a sinner. I don't deserve all the best things in life that those commercials tell me I have. No, I'm a sinner. On my best days, I can be a hypocrite of the highest order. And without the grace and mercy of God, I would have no hope. And I thought, that's a good way to start a sermon. Lord, forgive us our trespasses. Lord, forgive us our trespasses. How good, how good of Jesus to teach us to say that, that we can come into this space and we can actually acknowledge the truth of who we are, that we're not the good people others think we are or the good people we want others to think we are, that we're really deep down, we're messed up. We, we need some mercy. We need forgiveness. We have all sinned against God. you got to pray the Lord's Prayer and say, I, I have sinned. We have sinned against you. Now, the, uh, the literal word that Jesus uses here uh, that we translate in the Methodist church, trespasses, uh, in some, in the little translation, and in some of your churches, I bet you, you you did this, it's debts. Forgive us our debts. Have any of you heard this? Have you ever prayed the prayer like that? I think in some Presbyterian churches they do this. Yeah, debts. It Later, we translated it into trespasses. But if you think about it, a sin is kind of like a debt. It can feel that way. It can feel like this burden that just keeps growing on top of you more and more and more. It's like we owe God something. It's like we owe God all of our loyalty, all of our love. We owe God our life. And every time we miss the mark. It feels as if well, it's racking up again. We're accruing more debt. The interest rate is beyond what we could pay. And if it were not for the benevolence of God, like the, just the sheer mercy and grace of God, we would have no hope. Sin, like a debt. Forgive us our debts. Uh, now, I told you this uh, a few weeks ago. I think my favorite way to understand sin, I think I've shared this with you, is, is sin is, is like this self-interested desire within each one of us. Like every time we sin, we're really just kind of being very self-interested. We're motivated about self-interest. Like we, we know like that God has created us to reach out to other people in love and to be free and to be open and not to be afraid of each other. But it's, it's like there's this condition within us. It's like a gravitational pull within our souls. It's like this tractor beam that's always pulling us inward. 
when we're just self-centered. We don't mean to hurt people. We, we just do it. And we're always kind of fighting against this gravitational pull. I mean, sin is kind of this, this self-interest. I mean, we so want to believe that all the problems of the world are out there in other people. Like everything that's wrong with the world's out there. It's in those people. It's in these other places. But, but really, though, the truth is that I am what is wrong with the world. Like you are what is wrong with the world. We are together what is wrong with the world. We talk all the time. Oh, oh Lord, oh, help us create a society in which there's equality for everybody. Wouldn't that be great? And yet we continue to pass down the kind of racial racism that we inherited from our families who inherited from their families. We do this all the time. I mean, we say we want a world in which everybody can, can make a good living, Lord. And yet we just keep buying the cheapest stuff, the cheapest food, the cheapest clothes, making sure it never happens. I mean, we say we want a world in which there are no divisions, Lord. <laughs> Can't we all just get along? And then we call somebody an idiot who disagrees with us. I mean, we say we want a world in which everybody can have basic goods, basic services. Wouldn't that be great? But then at the end of the day, we're like, but I ain't paying for it. Somebody else better pay for it. See, I am what is wrong with the world. You are what is wrong with the world. And, and, and isn't it just good news? It is good news that we can come into a place like this and we can just tell the truth about who we really are without despairing over it. I mean, church is really supposed to be the place of all places where you and I can admit our complicity with what is wrong with the world. You can't do that anywhere else. You can't say this in the boardroom. You can't say to your boss, I'm what's wrong with this company. You're fired. But we can come into this place and like we can confess I am what is wrong with the world, and, and yet we are met with the forgiveness of our sin, this unmerited forgiveness. And so we can actually confess what we've done. We can confess our wrongs without freaking out about it and despairing about it. I mean, we kind of get it backwards. And we kind of think that uh, we are, we're supposed to for, confess our sins so that we can get forgiveness. This is kind of the wrong way of looking at it. We can confess our sins, my friends, because we already are forgiven. Jesus has already died for our sins. He has already opened up the floodgates uh, of, of heaven. Now, in a contemporary service, we, we don't do this very often, confess our sins. But let me ask you a question. Think about this past week. What words did you use that could have hurt somebody? What thoughts went through your mind? You know, Jesus said that even if you lust after someone, you've committed adultery in your heart. Whoa. Who have you hurt? Who have you said something negative to? Who have you scarred, perhaps? I want you to think about that. Lift it up right now to the Lord. Lift it up. Now hear these words. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. I want you to say back to me in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Say it to me. See, I can confess what my, I've done because God's already forgiven me. If I, if I wasn't already forgiven, there's no way I'd fess up. But you confess up. There's no more liberating words than that. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Now, wouldn't it be cool, though, if, like, Jesus stopped the prayer there? 
Wouldn't it be awesome? Wouldn't it be great if we could just say, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our trespasses, and lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Wouldn't that be great if we could do that? Oh, no, 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 no. See, the Lord's Prayer goes on. There's that other little clause. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. In other words, Lord, forgive us just to the extent that we forgive somebody else. I mean, we who are already forgiven, who have done so much wrong in the world, we now have a responsibility to pass that grace of God to other people. I think about Peter in this lesson today. Peter, Jesus' disciples, comes up to Jesus and says, Hey, Lord, if somebody in the church sins against me, how often should I forgive them? Seven times? Oh, no, that would be too, that we would think that's too lenient. But then Jesus says, I tell you, not just seven times. How many times? Seventy times, seven times. Or, I mean, what Jesus is saying is like, man, it, your, your forgiveness has to be just unlimited. Wow. And then Jesus tells us this parable of a king who was time to, time to pay up the debts. People who owed, him, who owed him some money, it was time to reckon with this. And there was a slave who owed this king 10,000 talents. Now, a talent in the ancient world was the equivalent of a year's salary. So this man owed the king 10,000 years of a salary. This is a ridiculous amount of money. And yet the slave begs for mercy And what does the king do? Forgives him. Wipes the slate clean. You're forgiven. I forgive you of your debt. Then the same slave goes out. And then another fellow slave owes him, I don't know, a few hundred bucks. What's the slave do? He grabs him by the throat and he says, you pay me the money you owe me. But I can't. And then the fellow slave actually uses, if you go back to the parable, the same words that the slave had said to the king, have mercy, have patience with me. But he did not. He threw him to the prison until he paid every last cent. Word gets to the king, and the king does what? The king actually retracts his forgiveness and then hands him over to the torturers. And then Jesus says, so will my heavenly Father do to you if you do not forgive your brother and sister from the heart. Well, thank you, Pastor Jesus, for those wonderful words of encouragement on this fine spring day. Jesus is serious. He's serious. This is hard. But isn't that what forgiveness really is? Isn't it hard? Isn't it costly? I mean, if you, you're going to forgive someone what they've done to you, I mean, you're, you're taking up your cross. You're, you're following Jesus. True forgiveness hurts. And it is painful. But, but didn't it cost Jesus everything? Wasn't it painful for Jesus to forgive us? I mean, how soon? We're like that slave, aren't we? How soon we forget just, just how much mercy and how much patience God has had on each one of us. I mean, could you imagine if God were like to roll out the ledger of all the sins that we've committed against him, what you had to look at? Could you imagine that, right? We, we, we would not know what to do, but Man, we forget. We think, well, we're the church people. We're the good people. But we forget how much mercy we actually need day to day. And Jesus is saying, if you're going to pray the Lord's Prayer, right, you, if you're receiving forgiveness, you, you've got to offer that forgiveness as well. I mean, let us be very clear. I think I have maybe mentioned this before. To forgive someone is not to say to that person, hey, it's all right. No problem. It's good. All good. 
It's not to dismiss the wrong that has done at all. You're not dismissing anything. To forgive someone, if you're going to say to someone, I forgive you, you're actually acknowledging that something wrong has occurred, that something harmful has occurred, that something hurtful has has occurred. But what you are saying is that I forgive you. I am not going to let what you did to me determine who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. Nor am I going to cut off any possibility that there might actually be reconciliation between the two of us. We might actually spend eternity together in the kingdom of God. I I don't want to cut off any possibility at all. Man, this is hard to do. When you think about resentments, any of you ever resented someone? I have. I mean, you think about the power that comes in resentment. I mean, resentment, it just energizes you. I mean, it, it kind of can give you a reason for being. But, but to resent someone, I think one of the reasons that we, we, are, we have a hard time letting go of our resentments is because we think that if we let go of our resentment of someone, then what we're doing is we're excusing what has happened. That's not what we're doing, though. Because, see, if you think about it, to resent someone is to allow that person to be a perpetual master over you. When you resent someone, you are allowing that person to be in total mastery over your life. I mean, you may not even see that person anymore who has wronged you, but it's always, he or she's always there, lurking in the background, pulling the strings, determining how you're going to respond to things. And so when you forgive someone, you're, 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 letting, you're letting their mastery over your life go. You may not change anything or change that person, but you're changing yourself in that moment. You know, I've been thinking this week about the members of, uh, was it Emmanuel AME Church in Charleston, South Carolina? I think that's right. And those family members who confronted Dylan Roof, who walked into that Bible study, and he killed those people in cold blood, and it just gives me shivers. And, and I remember, it was either that week or the week after, where their victims confronted Dylan Roof. And I, and I remember the mother of one of those victims, the mother. And she just told Dylan exactly what he did and what he took from her. And then I remember those words, and she was just in tears. And she said, but Dylan Roof, I forgive you. Dylan Roof, I forgive you. Can you imagine the anguish that she had to feel in that moment? Who am I to say that you should forgive? Only victims can do that. But she forgave him. And in the moment she said, Dylan Ruth, I forgive you, you know what she did? She disempowered Dylan Ruth. She disempowered him. She may not have known this at the time. I think the reason she forgave him because she's a Christian. This is someone who has had to forgive people over and over again. But she disempowered him. Dylan Ruth wanted to be a menace. To that church, he wanted to be a menace to the African-American community. But by saying, I forgive you, she disempowered him. He could no longer be a menace anymore. I mean, if she would have responded with the same hate that he had to kill them, she would have been responding on his terms. He would have been in total control. But the moment she said, Dylan Roof, I forgive you, I, I just can't imagine she released him from being a master over her future. That's what forgiveness does, and it hurts, and it is costly. 
You know, someone once said, for evil to have a complete victory, evil needs two victories, not one. Evil needs two victories to have total triumph. The first victory of evil is when the evil is done. But the second victory of evil is when the evil is returned. We cannot control the first victory of evil when it's done to us. We don't see it coming. But it is within our power to prevent the second victory of evil when the evil is returned. You think about the whole course of human civilization. Is it not this back and forth? Almost every war that's ever been started is in retaliation for an evil done. We're going to do the same thing. And we're going to keep going back and forth. Pastor Kyle and I were talking this week about Martin Luther King Jr.'s phrase. He says, if we keep living eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth, eventually we're all going to be blind and toothless. But to pray, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us, what we're doing is that we are committing in that moment not to allow evil to have the second victory over us. We're not going to return like for like. We are committing ourselves to a different way. It hurts and it is hard. I can't tell you to forgive someone. Only you who have been wrong can do that. But I can tell you, let go. Do not let the wrong that is done to you control you. You can forgive. By the grace of God, we can forgive. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Harrison Church. To stay connected to Harrison Happenings, please follow us on Facebook or Twitter at HarrisonUMC or online at harrisonchurch.org.